0: It's your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys all back for another day. Lots to get to on today's show. Gopher football recruiting will be front and center here in a little while, talking about this year's recruiting class. Signing day was Wednesday. Some drama, some intrigue a little bit. Um, Gophers coach P.J. Fleck talking about Wisconsin trying to come in and swoop in and get a couple of guys late it didn't seem like he liked that all that much Gophers held on to those recruits but I want to play a little audio from from PJ Flex uh, news conference actually quite a bit of it um, kind of talking about that and talking about in-state recruiting and some other things that kind of shape what this year's class looks like and uh, you know kind of the the new era of recruiting in in college sports college football in particular with the transfer portal and uh, you know incoming players from other schools playing such a big role. So we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm uh, talking about a little bit of local recruiting as well, not just the guys going to the Gophers, but, uh, you know, athletes going um, around the country, including Jackson Howard, heading to LSU. Um, so i got some lingering thoughts about Carlos Correa to the Mets that I'll get to here towards the end of the show. Got a few Wolves thoughts. They lost last night to Dallas 104 99, Rudy Gobert back in the lineup, three-game winning streak snapped. Is that a coincidence? Is there some linkage to that? We'll talk about that in a little bit. First, though, what did I miss? I want to start today with the Wild, because I feel like they've been getting a little bit of the short end of the stick in the local sports conversation. And this kind of tends to happen when a team wins, Sometimes, and when a team wins in a way that is not terribly dramatic, they've just been putting together a lot of solid performances one after the other. Not a whole lot of drama, kind of getting guys back into the lineup, kind of figuring out their style of play. And felt like Wednesday's game in Anaheim was another one in that kind of string of just solid performances by the Wild. It was a little bit clunky to begin with. A lot of neutral zone play in the first into the second. Anaheim actually got the first goal off a really bad uh, Kirill Kaprizov turnover. I don't think I've seen him make um, many worse plays in his career, but just basically gave it right to a guy who skated in on a breakaway and beat Marc-Andre Fleury for a 1-0 Ducks lead. But that was about it. Wild got one back right away or pretty soon after that and then really dominated play in the third period. Wind up winning that one fairly convincingly 4-1. to and you know six wins in a row, and again, like I said, I think the impressive thing about this team is that they've completely changed their identity, a lot of it from last year and uh, predominantly from the start of this year when they were trying to skate up and down the ice, when they still thought they could beat teams 5-4. Um, it took a little while to get that buy-in. But now, you know, now it seems like they've really tightened up. They've really kind of figured out their style, figured out how to play, how they how they are going to win, and the results have followed. It's just pretty impressive to see a team be able to do that. But that's not exciting, right? It's not exciting to watch a team kind of lock it down a little bit. Not like they're sc- not like they're not scoring or creating chances, but a team kind of button it up a little bit and win some games. You know, in uh, in not not boring fashion even but just in kind of very steady fashion. They're just like kind of a dependable car right now. A car you don't always just a car you don't always appreciate because it it always does what you want it to do. It always does the thing that you require it to do. It starts in the morning when it's cold like it is today. It you know it gets you where you want to go all the time. Not much happens to it that causes a lot of drama and you take it for granted and that is kind of the wild right now they're not you know not terribly exciting not terribly full of drama they just keep stacking win after win after win and it's been gratifying for uh, head coach Dean Evason this is what he said after Wednesday's victory
1: I mean every coach obviously preaches you know defense first and we certainly have and we uh you know we gave up a lot of goals early in the season, and." Um, our our group has made a commitment to keep it out of the net, and obviously our goaltenders are first and foremost uh, making stops, but uh, our commitment as a team has been real good in that area. And again,
0: Anaheim, not the toughest team in the world, and they, they will face some stiffer competition. They will face more adversity as the year goes on, certainly, and they're definitely still in that tough central division, the top four teams in that division, certainly separating themselves from the bottom four right now, Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado, and the Wild. Um, you know, pretty high up in in the points projection, and uh, Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, Chicago down there. So, you know, getting a top three spot will not be easy. Um, a wild card certainly within their reach, a pretty good chance at this point to reach the playoffs, but more gratifying for them right now is just how they have figured out their game this season. And again, like I said, that, you know, that doesn't make a lot of headlines all the time. Uh, a winning streak definitely gets our attention, but Style of play right now is not, you know, not the most, um, dynamic, but it, 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 gets results and wins, uh, wins matter. This is a, this is a results game. And it didn't want to just keep, you know, giving the wild one or two minutes saying, yeah, the wild won again. Um, you know, there's a reason they're winning again. There's a reason they're winning. They're playing really well. They're playing very solid hockey. And sometimes that's just kind of the, the way a team is. And uh, you got to appreciate it for what it is. The Wolves, on the other hand, are up and down, drama all around, players missing from the lineup, uh playing better without a lot of their best players sometimes. They will put together a three-game winning streak recently with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns out of the lineup. Rudy Gobert returns for a rematch against Dallas on Wednesday night, and the Wolves lose at home 104.99. Is that a correlation or a causation? Do we look at this and say Man, they were playing a lot better when Rudy Gobert was sitting out. What's going on here? Um, it's a little bit of both, I think. I think their style tends to be a little bit more of a kind of scrambling, energetic style when Gobert is not in just because of the nature of his game. But he played well last night. He had 19 points and 15 rebounds, couple steals, couple blocks. He wasn't the problem per se in this game. The problem in this game is they couldn't make shots. They were shooting the lights out the last few games. Um, this game, they were eight of 30 from three point range, including 0 for 11 combined from D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. You're not going to win a lot of your games when your two starting guards don't make a three point shot or two, two of your three kind of wing players don't make a shot. Um, so, so that's, that's the piece of it there. But, are they not making shots because the offense isn't flowing the same because the energy is different? That's a, that's a more complicated question. That's a complicated question probably for another day, but you know, Edwards still had a good game. He's still 11 for 21 from the field. So he was 11 of 17 from two had four rebounds, five assists. I mean, he was still getting in there for the things he needs to do. You know, D'Angelo Russell still had eight assists, six rebounds. It's not like they weren't doing anything. They just weren't making shots the other night, and when you don't make shots, you're not going to win a game. So I want to hold on to, uh, to any of the hot takes about, man, they were better without Gobert, better without Towns. That was definitely a game where they could have used Towns in particular because he can unclog an offense pretty quick. So this does bear watching, though, during the rest of the season, like I've talked about on previous shows. You know, when a team seems to play better without some of its best players, you have to ask yourself— is there something functional about the system when those other players are in that is causing them to have a tough time establishing a flow or is it just that other players are compensating when those players are out because they have to do more and you know when there's a redistribution of the shots when there's a redistribution of responsibilities other players are just naturally going to step up i don't know that bears watching over the course of the rest of the season i do know that when Gobert and Towns were out for those few games, it was some of the most fun and spirited basketball that I was seeing the Wolves play this entire season. And while I saw some of that same energy on defense um, in in the rematch Wednesday against Dallas, I didn't see quite the same energy. So that bears watching. It's a complicated question because this team cannot achieve what it wants to achieve without Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert this season. Those guys are just taking up too much cap space. They're, they're too big of a focal point of what they've been trying to do all year. They, they can't make a deep playoff run without those guys. That said, you look at how they're playing without those guys, and you say, well, stylistically, maybe in the long run, those guys aren't a perfect match for Anthony Edwards, aren't a perfect match for the way Chris Finch likes to run an offensive system. So, Those questions are more long-term questions than short-term questions, but they're going to become short-term questions in not too long when everybody is at full strength. And that is the really interesting thing about the Wolves this season.
1: Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With
0: 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those
1: that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the
0: lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. One more thing before we get to some Gopher football recruiting talk. Um... I've been your bearer of bad news for the last two, three years or so, talking about streaming options and watching regional sports networks like Bally Sports North, previously Fox Sports North, um, access to the Twins, Wild Wolves, um, a lot of other teams in this market on those channels. Finally got some good news for you today after, like I said, many many disappointing um, many disappointing news with you know, Hulu dropping it a long time ago. Um, YouTube TV dropping those channels a while back. Sling dropping them. Um, they have been readded now to Fubo TV. That's um, not one of the very biggest, but it is a, a significant player in the streaming market. Fubo TV reaching an agreement to carry. Um, the Bally the Sports North region, the Bally Sports regional channels. Um, this just happening this week um, as being reported. So that part of it is interesting. It sounds like it'll be part of their base package $69.99 per month plus an RSN fee, which we're not exactly sure what that's going to be. But it should be cheaper than DirecTV Stream, which is the only option right now. That price for DirecTV Stream going up to $99.99 in just a month or so so it should be less expensive than that so could be an option for you if you are looking for a streaming package that has the regional sports networks on it now maybe this is less of an issue now that bally has released the standalone app um i've been doing that for a couple months i've been reasonably happy with it um 20 a month not you know when you're paying $20 that you used to get as part of something you, you already got, you're not terribly happy about it, but it is an option if you don't want to get cable, satellite lock into a long term package. So I've been fairly happy with that. But if you want everything kind of bundled into one place but don't want those contracts, Fubo TV now going to be another option. And I'll be interested to see if that will put some pressure on YouTube TV, Hulu, Sling to renegotiate these carriage fees and bring those channels back to those streaming services as well so that could be down the road i'm not sure exactly where that's going to wind up but i think that part of it is interesting as well another interesting thing on the subject of streaming sounds like youtube is going to get the rights to the sunday ticket NFL package starting in 2023. It sounded like Apple was a front runner for a while, but they bailed out of it. Sounds now like it's gonna be YouTube. It's gonna be kind of a premium service, of course. If you have YouTube TV or YouTube premium channels, you can add that. It sounds like the price is gonna be about the same as it has been in the past. But another, you know, another example of how things are going differently now it used to be part of DirecTV, which was, you know, a little, you know, not no not old old school like cable or over the air tv but you know not a streaming service like youtube tv is so just kind of an interesting change in the landscape of where things are headed and it sounds like that is going to be the deal for sunday ticket going forward so just some changing landscape the bigger one to me for the for the local audience is the fact that now it sounds like Fubo TV will be another option for you to get Bally Sports North regional streaming channels and, you know, at a price point that maybe is a little bit more palatable, send in some of these other services. Let's talk Gopher football recruiting right now. Um, Full disclosure I talked to Gopher football beat writer Randy Johnson on Wednesday after the Gophers signed their. 21 incoming high school players and five uh, transfers to their class of 2023. Um, That interview has disappeared completely from my computer. knew that before I started recording today. It was a moment of panic Thursday morning. This has never happened to me. I don't know where that file is. I don't know what happened to it, but it is not here. So calling a little bit of an audible as we do in the business, as we do in football a lot of times, and just kind of speaking more in general terms about this class, and I'm going to play a lot of audio from PJ Flex um, addressing of the media on Wednesday as well. But some of what Randy and I talked about, um, two of the key things we talked about, one was uh, just this idea of how important the transfer portal has become to you know t- to the to the recruiting class. How you know how high school recruiting is still going to be the lifeblood of a lot of programs. It's how you build relationships. It's how you build long-term sustained success but in terms of you know immediate impact on a program and you know a way you have to recruit now the transfer portal is becoming more and more important and really did bolster the Gophers class right now they're 41st overall ninth in the Big Ten in the composite ratings but in terms of transfer ratings they're 15th nationally and obviously those are going to change um, as time goes on, more teams are going to add transfers as as the as the you know off season continues. But right now, you can see the impact of the transfer portal for the Gophers. Um, a lot of different players, you know, coming to them that way, including some talented wide receivers. They got a guy, uh, Elijah Spencer, who caught 57 passes for almost a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. For Charlotte last year, and uh, Corey Crooms, who had 57 catches for 814 yards and five touchdowns for Western Michigan, uh, two wide receivers who could come in right away and help the Gophers immediately where they need help. So that piece of it is interesting to me. How the portal is not just impacting you know your day to day, your day to day life, or you know kind of what we see in the media and things like that, but it's impacting. Um, you know how these teams have to think about roster building it's a little bit like free agency almost which is just a really interesting thing it's not the college football we grew up with it's not even the college football of a few years ago where you'd get some you know the occasional transfer the occasional impact transfer you know grad transfers were starting to become a thing you know 10 12 years ago the big one a big one Russell Wilson when he went to Wisconsin and really changed that the dynamic of that program at least for that season but now it is a part of the, the pipeline of a team and, and what they have to look to do. Another piece of this that was really interesting is Fleck talking about um, some negative recruiting. I want to play a clip here from, from Fleck talking about how um, you know, a couple of their, their top recruits, a couple of the guys from Prior Lake, Martin Owosu and uh, Greg Johnson, got offers from Wisconsin late in the game. Uh, and this was Fleck talking about that and, and what, he, what he thought of that.
1: So next up, Martin Owusu, defensive line, Prior Lake High School here in Minnesota. He's enrolling early, had over 30 Division one offers, ranked at the top five player in the state of Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin even kind of came in, tried to flip him early, um, you know, showed me all the text messages of them doing everything they can to negative recruit, negative recruit, negative recruit to flip us, and it didn't work. So we axed it. So, uh, true connector to the class. Um, that's what's great. You get to see all the text messages. <laughs> that's the best part of negative recruiting. You get to see all these grown men negative recruit and text messages. Beautiful. And uh, appreciate everybody sharing those with us because we don't negative recruit. And uh, it's really interesting to see that.
0: So I love that because that adds, of course, some extra fuel to uh, fuel to the rivalry, right? That that's you know just another piece, just another link in the chain of of Gophers Badgers rivalry over the years, and uh, this probably happens all the time, right? In in big time college football, maybe it hasn't happened here as much, and I get it. Wisconsin's got a new staff; Luke Fickle just came over from Cincinnati, um, you know, three or four weeks ago. And by the way, he denied it. He was asked about it at his. Uh, at his uh, uh, media session on Wednesday saying, I won't negative recruit. I'm not saying somebody didn't call. I know we maybe reached out to somebody, but I wouldn't think we would have said... Anything negative about anybody going anywhere? We've got plenty of positives to say about what we do. And that's a little bit of a non denial denial, saying, I wouldn't think we would have said anything negative. That doesn't say we didn't. That says, um, you know, it's kind of like when you're saying, like, ah, that doesn't sound like something I would do. That's not saying you didn't do it. That says, that's saying, uh, I don't necessarily want to admit to that, or um, boy, that sounds a little out of character, but uh, maybe we did it. So, anyway. That, I love that that adds a little bit of fuel to it. I love that that adds a little bit to the rivalry. And, you know, those guys are going to be going at it for a while now. You know, Wisconsin making a change at head coach. Fleck has been here now for six seasons going into his seventh. That should be an interesting dynamic as they think about it. The final piece that was interesting to me from this recruiting class, a lot of Minnesota players staying home. Obviously, Jackson Howard going to LSU. A lot of, you know, you know, There's going to be some of those elite, top, top, top top-level recruits that are going to have their pick of national programs around the country. You're not going to keep all of them. You might not even keep most of them, and those guys should go probably somewhere else because there are you know, programs at the national level right now that are better, certainly, than the Gophers and more established. And if you have a chance to go anywhere you want, you should be able to explore those opportunities. But the Gophers did keep a lot of those players at home. And uh, P.J. Fleck did address that as well in his media session. So let's play that for you as well.
1: I know all of you write about what we haven't done, which rightfully so, right? We said we're going to do things. But for the most part, the things we said we're going to do, for the most part, we've done. And part of that is bringing more in-state talent in here. Now, they obviously have to be good enough to play at this level. But I value the development piece of that. Who's willing to be developed? What have we brought within state that's developed into what we wanted them to be and what they've wanted to be and what hasn't? And then you apply that formula and then you win, and then you have those people on the field in 2019 that stormed the field. You have those people who have moms and dads that were Gophers and are really proud to be Gophers, and um, and see how the tide's turning in some of our rivalries. I know Iowa, I get it. Move on, because talking about Wisconsin, and we're now we're three and three. Uh, you know that's split right down the middle, just like the rivalry is split down the middle. And I think you start to see that people get more excited. So I'm energized by it. I can see the difference of when we walk into Minnesota schools, uh, at the, the excitement people have about Minnesota. I can see that. I'm not saying they didn't have that before, but there's a lot more now. And that's what you want to create as an in-state coach of an in-state high school recruiting. You want people to dream of being Gophers. And this is the biggest class we've had of people who dream about being Gophers. When you offer them, they commit. It's not like, yeah, I need to think about it, collect all these offers. It comes down to the end, and they pick a rival. So
0: overall, it's an interesting time, I think, for Gopher football. They're entering this period where the Big Ten, the schedule is going to get tougher. Recruiting is more you know, difficult than ever because you've got to recruit high school kids. You've got to re-recruit your roster every year because players could leave in the transfer portal if they're not happy with playing time, if they're not happy with something, if they just want a change of scenery, if someone else is saying, hey... Come over here, you could play here right now, and you have to recruit the portal itself if you think you have needs, so there's so many layers to recruiting right now that you have to be cognizant of that it's just gotten so much more complicated and will only get more complicated for this program going forward. so if Fleck can keep this train moving, can you know win another bowl game, get to nine wins this year, have that you know three of the last four full seasons get get into that benchmark, that would be pretty uh, that would be pretty impressive. That said, I feel like they aren't quite where they want to be either. So, is there another gear even yet left in this program? A lot of that's going to be determined by this class, the next class, things like that, and where these players ultimately can take PJ Fleck and the program. Let's finish with a bit of an extended cooler. Still a lot of lingering thoughts from Carlos Correa and his, you know, very a uh, surprising turn of events with him you know we thinking thinking he's going to the giants 13 years 350 million dollars and you look at that you say well if the twins final offer was 10 years 285 that's a pretty big gap you can understand why he went to the giants you can understand you know maybe the twins weren't even really in the deep part of that conversation but then when the medical information when there's a conflict there as has been reported and seemingly confirmed by both sides The Giants and agent Scott Boris, when that deal falls apart and he ends up signing with the Mets or at least agreeing to sign with the Mets for 12 years and 315, then you look at it and say, well, that's not that far off from what the Twins were offering. And in fact, if you add one, you know, the one year 35 million they already paid him, and again, you don't really do that in negotiations. This isn't prison. You don't get credit for time served, things like that. Um, But it would be 11 for 320 if you added 35 to 10 for 285 and that is in fact more money and less years than the Mets were offering Um, but you've got this medical issue hanging out there and maybe just maybe this could be a uh, a blessing in disguise for the Twins if they were you know if they had signed off on the idea of of Correa's medical history being okay but the Giants raised a red flag enough so that you know they look really it looks really bad for them right now in terms of scuttling a deal at the last minute but if they you know if they were concerned enough about a long-term investment to not want to throw that money at them and the mets seemingly are but the mets seemingly have a lot of money to throw around and don't really care if something might blow up in their faces maybe just maybe this will end up being the best thing for the twins cuz that would be a pretty scary proposition if there was really something in his medical history that would suggest that a long-term deal is bad idea. if there's a, you know, a an injury from a long time ago which it sounds like there is that could be a problem long term could be chronic could curtail his career at some point you don't want to get halfway into a decade plus deal and have a player suddenly be you know nowhere near what he was before so I don't know I think this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out long term with the Mets. It's going to be a lot of what it could have should have for the Twins if you see him having success. There's going to be a lot of, you know, there's probably going to be on the flip side, a lot of relief if by, you know, if if down the road he develops a chronic injury, which nobody wants. Obviously, Carlos Correa, great player, good guy. You don't want to see that happen. But if if by some you know, by some uh, you know, circumstance he does wind up having a chronic injury down the road, the twins will have, you know, really avoided something that they could not afford to have happened. Adjacent to that is an interesting development as well. Him going to the Mets now means he's gonna play third base next to Francisco Lindor. What that means is the Mets no longer have much of a need for third baseman Eduardo Escobar, old friend with the twins escobar going into the last year of a two-year deal i think he's going to make about nine and a half ten million dollars this season escobar could be a trade candidate would that make sense for the twins i don't know they've got a lot of uh, a lot of options at third base a lot of options in the middle infield but escobar is the kind of guy who fits what they like positional versatility can play all over the infield he even played a few innings of outfield for them at one point um, when he was back with the Twins back then, he's developed into a pretty good hitter. He already was before he left here via trade in 2018. Had a monster season for Arizona in 2019 when he hit 35 home runs. Still a productive player, a switch hitter. Is that someone who would be a fit if the Twins decided they wanted another option in in the infield, third base, shortstop, second base? I don't know. Just thinking about it, thinking about it out loud, somebody they know, Somebody that could add another versatile bat to the lineup if he was indeed traded watch for that as time goes on that will do it for me today Ben Gessling expected to be on Friday show I always say expected just in case something happens as has happened today I am going to be extra diligent double check triple check making sure nothing happens to the recording when I talk to Ben and uh so we'll we'll uh, we'll cross our fingers that once in two years. Of daily delivery is uh, is the uh, is enough, and that we will have a, have a successful interview on Friday's show. I'm banking on it. I hope it will happen. I'm guessing it won't be a problem tomorrow, but you never know. Uh, like I said, I will be double checking and triple checking because I don't want to uh, don't want to have happen what happened today. Even though I still felt pretty good about where we landed on today's show, and I hope you did as well. Thanks so much for joining me here today on daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand, back at it again on Friday.